0: Wow, isn't that great? Hope you worship this morning with the Lord. This is the beginning of Lenten season. You may want to open your Bible to Isaiah 53 and just kind of hold it there. We'll come to it in a little bit. Years after her experience in a Nazi concentration camp, Corey Tim Boom came face to face with one of the guards that was the most ruthless guard in in the camp. There he stood. He had been a man who had uh, molested her, in, not physically, but in many ways while she was there. Had taunted her sister and her. While they were in the delousing shower, she said it was as though he was visually raping us. She had a great hatred and bitterness in her heart for this man. And he stood before that day with an outstretched hand and said, Will you forgive me? And she said, As I stood before him, my heart was cold. I knew that I had bitterness in my heart. And yet I also knew that the will could function even when the heart was cold. So I prayed that the Lord would help me. Mechanically, I reached out my hand to him and clutched his hand. Said, something happened when that took place. She said, I felt a surge that began in my shoulder and went down through my arm and into my hand. And she said, I've never in all of my life felt that. And I said to him, I do forgive you, my brother. Said so that day I realized that the love of God was more evident to me than it had ever been before. A tremendous change came over me. To forgive is to set the prisoner free but only to discover that you are the prisoner. Horace Bushnell said, Forgiveness is man's deepest need and God's highest achievement. Every one of us needs forgiveness. First of all, we need God's forgiveness for our sins. And each of us need to know that we are forgiven when we offend someone else, but The third thing we need to really know is that we can forgive people who have harmed us in some way. Listen to David as he rejoices after his confession of his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. Hold your finger on your text, but you can go over to Psalms 32, chapter 1 and 2. And here he has found the forgiveness of God, and this is what he says. Blessed, or happy, is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When you are emptied of all of the transgression and the bitterness, there's a peace and a happiness that comes that can come in no other way. And now look at our text in Isaiah 53. It's a, a text that helps us to understand something about complete forgiveness that comes through Christ. Verse 4 through 6. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. And yet we considered him stricken by God. Smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was upon us, the punishment that brought us peace, was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That passage helps us to understand the sufferings of Christ for our sins. I want you to notice some phrases in the text. It talks about our infirmities, our sorrows. It speaks of our transgressions and our iniquities. It talks about the fact that We have gone astray. We have turned to our own ways. Our iniquity was laid upon Him. So you see, it was not the Jews who, centuries ago, that crucified Christ, but we did it. It was our sin that did it. Now, we in our culture today do not like the idea of sin. We don't like that word. We don't like the things associated with it. And so we dress it up with fancy terms, like alternative lifestyle, multiple partners. Alcoholism is a sickness. Youths are not sinning. They're just sowing their wild oats. They'll get over it. Or a murderer is classified as a psychotic disorder. I guess so. David Maines wrote, and he said that we may not be all forgiving about the sins of the others, but we have our own favorites that we want people to overlook. And so our society says, what's so wrong about cheating on a test? What's so wrong about cheating on a resume, or taxes, or or on your spouse, or on an expense statement? What's so wrong with a little gambling, or a little drinking, or a little sex here and there? What's your problem? Why are you so critical of me when I don't like a person, I resent a person? And I choose not to forgive that person. Why do you have a problem with that? In God's eyes, folks, sin is sin. And it cannot be changed. That's what it is. We can dress it up with fancy words, all we choose to do. But it's still sin in God's eyes. And until we see the seriousness of our sin. Until our hearts are broken the way God's heart is broken when we sin, we will never experience complete forgiveness of Christ. This generation in America needs a good old genuine conviction by the Holy Spirit of sin. We are a sinful society. Listen again to David in chapter 32, as he writes in verses 3 through 5, uh, as to the conviction of his own troubled soul. He said in verse 3 When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin." You notice what happened to him when he realized he had sinned? There was a deep-seated conviction to where he was miserable. It felt like his bones were disturbed by it. He he lost sleep, and in the middle of the night, his strength was sapped. When you experience genuine conviction, it causes you to want to find an answer to that. And he, he found the answer. He said that you forgave the guilt of my sin. Christ suffered on the cross for our sin. But Christ also suffered so that we might have forgiveness of our sin. Not just for our sin, so that we might have forgiveness of that sin. amazing thing about the cross, the passion of Christ, is that God so loved the world, and that's you and me, that, this, that He gave His Son so that this incredible act of love and mercy and grace would come to the result of our being forgiven for every sin we have committed. And that's sheer grace. James Hewitt told the story of his little six-year-old son who was making a model airplane, and he was using superglue. You know what superglue can do to you. And as he was making the airplane, he superglued his finger to the blue wing of a DC-10. And he tried to pull it off and throw it off and tug it off. And his finger was flinging around trying to get that thing off. And it just wouldn't happen until they went and got some solvent. When they got the solvent, it dissolved it and set him free. He said, that story reminded me of a time that I met a new neighbor in my neighborhood. And he was introducing his children to me. And he said, uh, this is Pete. Uh, Pete's the clumsy one of our family. And Susie came in with mud on her shoes and said, this is Susie with the mud on her feet. She, she's the messy one of our family. And here comes Pete. He's always late. He's going to be late for his funeral. And he was attaching stigma to his children without even knowing it. And James Schuett said, I could not believe he was causing his children to be something that he was making them out to be. As he attached things to their personhood. People do that to us all the time, don't they? We do it to people. We classify them, we remind them of their failures, or people remind us of our failures. They don't let us loose of our errors or our sins. And there are people who literally would love to be set free in forgiveness from both God and you because their sins uh, are destroying their lives, making them something they don't want to be. They would love a chance to begin again. And when we don't let people forget their past, when we don't forgive them, we glue them to their sin, to their mistakes. You never do that, though. This congregation would never do that. You, you get in an argument with your spouse. You never bring up things that happened yesterday or a month ago or a year ago or 20 years ago. You would never do that. But we do do that. And it's not complete forgiveness. You see, God does what we are unable to do at times. He releases us. You know why I know that? Because the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sin from us. That means forgiveness. He says he remembers our sin no more. You may remember it, but he does not remember it. And if you stood before the judgment seat of Christ and Satan would say, you remember when he did that and you've accepted Christ as your Savior and you've been cleansed, he would say, I, honestly, I don't remember that. It's not on the record. Another not a wonderful thing? Complete forgiveness. Well, this package, passage also uh, shows Christ's suffering so that we can give others forgiveness as well. This is an important piece of it. You remember USA Today, and in fact television stations all over the country carried the story of uh, October the 2nd, 2006, when a troubled milkman by the name of Charles Carl Roberts walked into a school in Pennsylvania, an Amish school, and he held Hostage those children. He killed five of the children and injured six others. When the police arrived, he turned the gun on himself. Made it suicide. His wife had no idea he was going to do that. It seems as though he'd been a pretty model husband, good father. She was about to see something that was countercultural. It just doesn't happen often. On the day of his funeral, half of the 75 people in that audience were from the Amish community, there to stand beside a young woman and the children who had lost a father and had lost a husband one of the chaplains from the fire department stood there and he said, I was absolutely amazed as I watched these folks bring total forgiveness to this wife and these children. Almost unbelievable, isn't it, in our society? In a society that seems to harbor resentment and hold grudges, the idea that someone could experience the kind of forgiveness in their heart that would say, "You did a terrible thing to me, but I release you of that." If you hold something in your heart towards someone else, you are the prisoner. You are the one who needs to be released. And the only way I know to do that is what Corey Tim Boom said, is by an act of the will. The will can take precedent over a cold heart and spirit. And by an act of your will, you muster up the faith to say, I forgive you for that. I release you. And, and you know, not only is that person released, you're the one that's really released. And my Bible says, in Jesus' words, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, you are blocking his forgiveness of your sin. Jesus died on the cross so that we might have complete, absolute forgiveness of our sin and the heart to forgive those who have sinned against us. Eternal Father, I know today there are persons in our audience who no doubt have never accepted your forgiveness of their sins. They, they're they like David. They're, They're letting them live inside them, and it's eating away at them. I pray today you would allow them, they would allow you to come in and change their life and put on... A new suit of clothes and a new inside. So they accept you as Lord and Savior. There are persons in this audience who have been hurt by other people. Some of them have released it and forgiven, but some are still harboring that. May this be the day, like Corey Tim Boone, they give it away and become free themselves. In the strong name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please?